This is Essential. 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 This is Essential Audio. Welcome to the Money Pot. I'm Sanjeev Kalita, editor in chief at Money 2020, and I'm here with Gary Dempsey, the content lead for Money 2020 Europe. How are you over there in UK, Gary? Oh, I'm doing okay, but like everyone else, suffering from a bit of COVID fatigue. You know, I feel like we speak about COVID too much, but it's becoming more and more obvious that the effects of this pandemic will be long term. I have seen all the things we spoke about theoretically just a short time ago coming to life in everyday situations. Yeah, I, I've actually taken three COVID tests recently. I'm fully vaccinated, but was worried about the Delta variant and symptoms, which turned out to be a cold. I, I just took another one this morning because I'm supposed to fly to Dubai later this week. This will be my first flight since the pandemic was announced. Ironically, the last flight was when I flew back to London, and we both met last in person. Since then, you know, we've seen contactless payments and digital commerce experiences explode. It's one of the reasons that we asserted in our FinTech 2.0 paper that commerce experiences were going to continue evolving, and that algorithms or super agents will represent 20% of retail commerce transactions. First of all. Three COVID tests means that your nostrils are probably clearer than those of an investment banker in the 1980s. Second, <laughs> I can't wait till we both meet again in Amsterdam for Money 2020 Europe in a few weeks. And third, I love that prediction, and it looks like the inroads to it is in digital wallet adoption. But you know, it's no good just asserting if you don't have anything to back it up. So I wanted to get some real numbers behind adoption to see if my perceptions were validated by the numbers. So, our team spoke to Euromonitor, who put us in touch with Frida Poljak, a researcher there.、Uh, my name is Frida Poljak, and I'm from Euromonitor International. I'm a research analyst at Euromonitor International, covering services and payments industries. Frida has been looking at what is actually happening around adoption of digital wallets across all of Europe, and she definitely confirmed my suspicion that 2020 was a milestone year for digital wallet adoption, both online and in store. Customer preferences shifted towards digital wallet payments in store, and in the online space, we saw that due to the skyrocketing online purchases and demand, customers preferred to use digital wallets like PayPal or the recently launched、uh, Click to Pay. So, customers are more keen to use digital wallet now. It's more convenient. It stores their data, so it's easier to use. And they don't have to add card details or any kind of information every single time and on every each and every website when they purchase online. So overall, we saw a 10% increase in value of the sales of goods and services sold online in 2020 in Europe. Out of this, online payments, so remote online payments,、uh, grew by 9%, while mobile proximity payments in store. Grew by 25 percent, so increased more significantly than the remote. It's important to note that it includes services as well, and as the travel and tourism industry was unfortunately non-existent in 2020, we expect further growth in the upcoming years for both online purchases digitally and for in-store digital mobile payments as well. So e-commerce boomed, but there were even greater adoption rates for in-store purchases. Contactless payments is now the de facto, and that really wasn't a surprise. 
No, it was exactly as we suspected. And it wasn't really a surprise that the market leaders continued to dominate the space. According to Euromonitor's Voice of the Consumer, the most popular digital wallet for online purchases was still PayPal, and the market leader for in-store digital wallet use was Apple Pay. Well, Apple Pay and Google Pay certainly reduce friction for in-person digital payments. It almost acts like a magic wand. It makes me feel like Harry Potter or even Gandalf invoking a spell. I purchased the... And that's the trick. You have different magic wands like the iPhone. Or if you're using another phone, you can use Samsung Pay or Google Pay. But that isn't the only reason for their popularity. There's new magic in the works. For example, in the US, crypto became a factor in digital wallet adoption. So similarly to the US, uh, we see that cryptocurrencies are key drivers of adoption, or at least play an important role in the adoption. So far, it's only Apple Pay and PayPal providing that option to, to customers. I think it's very interesting to see that, that the two market leaders are the ones uh, offering cryptocurrency payments. But there is an increasing demand for cryptocurrency payments. Merchants are also moving towards that direction into accepting cryptocurrency payments. For example, Booking.com recently uh, launched offers with Crypto.com, which is one of the leading cryptocurrency wallets. So... I think overall, it is going to be an important aspect of, of the adoption of digital wallets. But I can imagine that it will only become probably mainstream in the United States. And the more mature the market, the more opportunities are going to be for, for cryptocurrencies. So I can imagine uh, cryptocurrency being a key driver of adoption in the UK market, for example. But I'm not sure about smaller markets in Europe. PayPal and Apple Pay moved to add crypto after they saw other popular players like Square's Cash App making such a success with it. It is interesting that they maintained their market lead. I enjoy seeing the delicate balance that Square is doing with having streamlined, almost austere user experiences, but still being able to quickly adapt and add new features. Yeah, but there is another story in Frida's research. There were a few local players that showed a lot of popularity and resilience. Besides the global players, there are certain regional and local players as well. And one of the most popular online digital wallets in Europe uh, is from Sweden. It's Swish, which is an online platform and it's launched by six banks in cooperation with the Central Bank of Sweden. We can also highlight um, an example from Poland, which is Blick. It's also a digital wallet, but it's a mobile digital wallet, and it's also launched by, by Polish banks. So what made Swish and Blick so popular in their respective countries? Well, the answer to that seems obvious at first. They were both put out there by institutions that were cooperating. Six Swedish banks in cooperation with Sweden's central bank created Swish, and Poland's six major banks cooperated to create Blick. But... I think there is more to the story because it isn't just about adoption of digital wallets. It is about how different countries are approaching the idea of a cashless society. So pre-pandemic, there were experts in the UK and US warning that a cashless society would leave the unbanked and underserved without proper access to goods and services, creating a de facto segregation that could really exacerbate the wealth gap and other issues of inequality. Sweden was being used as an example of where cash was already disappearing. 
but in the last year and a half, the benefits and needs of a cashless society have become clearer. Also, in Frieda's research, she found that there was a definite divide in policy attitudes between Eastern European countries and Western European countries. Most of the bell ringing came from Western Europe, where the population is older, historically richer, and where adoption is traditionally driven by innovation in the private sector. So in Eastern Europe, where the population is younger and more open to technological adoption and historically poorer, governments and the public sector are pushing the adoption of digital wallets as an instrument to actually increase financial inclusion. What one side sees as an impediment to the unbanked, the other sees as a solution for the unbanked. It has been the aim for for quite a long to achieve cashless societies from various governments, and we have seen this across Europe. And it was accelerated by the health crisis as well. So the value of cash payments declined by almost 30% in Europe in 2020. So this further pushed the shift towards cashless societies. And now the aim is to fill in that financial uh, gaps in financial inclusion and um, to broaden access for financial services across uh, various parts of Europe. In the region, in some of the countries, the proportion of unbanked population is still high, still above 20 or even 40%. Examples could be Romania or Ukraine, for example. And given that the population is younger and customers are willing to adopt these new technologies, one of the ways to resolve this problem with the unbanked population and to fill in those gaps could be the adoption of digital wallets. So governments have a fundamental role in ensuring that they provide these services to their population and to these young people. There are a few differences that become apparent between the two approaches. Private sector innovation tends to create tech that is more sophisticated, while public sector driven apps are simpler, but not as broadly useful. It is pull versus push. Pull requires offering enough to attract users by being more secure and frictionless. Older consumers are usually more difficult to win over because they have less faith in tech security. The security is is definitely a very controversial point. When we surveyed connected customers, we saw that enhanced security was one of the key drivers of the adoption of digital wallets, but at the same time, it was one of the key barriers of the adoption as well. So it's very interesting to see that even though the security is there, it might be more about the consumer awareness around that. So I think it's extremely important to communicate that and just make sure that we strengthen that trust in consumers that it's safe and there's no third party having access to, to their data. The paradox is hilarious. In a pull situation, communication is so important. Push can create wide adoption through mandated access and probably doesn't require the same kind of attraction. So, both Swish and Blick are examples of governments or central banks fostering the adoption of digital wallets. That has led to both being widely adopted in their home countries. Swish is free of charge for consumers and is secure thanks to Bank ID, which is a citizen identification method. Blick also has wide adoption and 100% acceptance at e-commerce platforms. Also, Both have good adoption rates by all generations. But the obvious drawback is that Swish is only really useful in Sweden. That limits the usefulness for remit and other functions. And Blick 
doesn't operate on proximity. It has a lengthier process requiring a six-digit code at the point of sale and a four-digit PIN by the user. That is hardly the seamless process offered by services like Apple Pay and Google Pay. And both of them are susceptible as digital wallets become about more than a payment method. Merchants are partnering with digital wallets for a wider outreach, making digital wallets the core of lifestyle platforms. Banks like N26 and Revolut are creating partnerships with Apple Pay, Google Pay, Samsung Pay and PayPal to increase their attractiveness and begin building out to become the center of future super apps. Currently, we don't have an example in Europe for, for a super app that we can compare to the, to the Asian version. However, we see that the market is heading towards that direction. Digital wallets are expected to branch out to super apps. Partnerships with uh, merchants is something that we already see. A German example could be Lidl Pay, which is Lidl's loyalty program extended um, to a digital wallet. So we definitely expect to see these lifestyle platforms to emerge in the next couple of years. Whether this is going to be an opportunity or a threat for digital wallets, I think that that remains a question, but definitely partnerships uh, are arising amongst key players, digital banks, merchants, and financial service providers. Super apps are going to be part of the super agents driving e-commerce shifts. E-commerce is going to become central to all retail experiences. And as retail becomes more embedded in financial services and fintech becomes more embedded in retail, the loop will become more imperceptible. And that is it for this episode of The Money Pot. We'd like to thank Frida Polyak from Euromonitor for speaking with us, confirming our suspicions and giving us new information to consider. We'd also like to thank the mastermind of our little universe, Roland Bodenham. And we can't wait to see you in Amsterdam. Tickets are available now to Money 2020 Live in Amsterdam on September 21st through the 23rd and in Las Vegas from October 24th through the 27th. Tickets to both shows are available now at money2020.com. And if you like the money pot, please leave us a review in iTunes to help others find the show. This podcast will also be live in Vegas. So tell us now how much you want to be part of it by sending ideas to podcast at money2020.com. Thank you for listening. This is Essential. 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 This is Essential Audio.